Welcome to Aging for Beginners with Dr. Doug and Dave. Dr. Doug Wilson is a leading medical researcher who has spent the past 30 years reading every bit of research there is on ageing. He knows a thing or two about getting older, and of course he has a vested interest. He's 82 and he's in his prime. I'm Dave King. I'm a middle-aged man with terrible genes and a fear about what the future holds. Can Doug set me on the right path? Welcome to Aging for Beginners, your podcast that guarantees you a longer and stronger life or your money back. Um, actually, I can't, I, can't, I can't guarantee that, but welcome, Doug. How are you, Douglas Wilson? I'm well. I'm, I'm, I'm well, Dave. That's great. Um, last time we talked, we were worrying about Omicron, and we were um, right to be worried. So um, I'd like to start today with a, a short history of Omicron. It's, uh, it's been a rocket around the world, hasn't it, Doug? It's been extraordinary, actually. So um, Omicron, in fact, is one of the variants um, attached to the COVID virus. And under these circumstances, um, it has become a, a vaccine, become a virus of, of, of interest. I remember the stories from South Africa, I think, back in November, December. Well, what happened in late November, December, the number of cases was declining from the previous um, uh, variant, and then suddenly they started to climb up again and climb up very, very rapidly. Uh, and at that stage, the local people in South Africa determined that this was a, diff- a new variant and so no longer related to what went on before, no longer related to Delta, uh, and it had its own particular characteristics. At first of all, there was some hesitation around the world as to whether this really was new, and then, but eventually it became apparent that this, this was a new variant, and as, as, as such, it, it appears in its, in its own cloak, in its own, its own right, uh, it's had its own label, and it's taken the world by storm. The situation is that it differs from previous variants because it is more infectious. There's a number of mutations in the gene which have been described by the original uh, observers, and there have been some some significant changes in terms of the clinical presentation. So the first thing we know about it is it is real, it's a different variant. The second thing we know is it is significantly more infectious than the variant that had gone before. As such, it has a capacity to inf- take over and infect uh, patients all around the world, which it's doing, and very rapidly over the course sometimes of three or four weeks, it can become the dominant variant in many, many different countries. Instead of just being you know, 10 or 20% of, of the, the patients, that, of, of the cases that have been infected, it, it can be as many as 95% very quickly as it shows how the impact of a, of a variant that is more infectious. So that was the first observation. The second observation was one that caused some puzzlement, first of all, because the clinicians described the the clinical features of the the variant as being possibly less severe than than its parent. So it might be more infectious, but clinically less severe. That was the early early description from South Africa too, wasn't it? That's correct. The the story straight away where it's milder, but but probably more infectious. Is that how it's played out? Well, it it certainly had its its quandaries with with, with being milder. 
because um, the, the, the mildness depended really only upon statistical analyses that of patients with this particular variant were less likely to need hospital, less likely to have a severe attack. However, a number of people said, but in the South African community, so many people have had other uh, have had the COVID infection anyway, that that might have modified the clinical picture of the new variant uh, since called Omicron. And that's why you've got these this slightly less um, severe disease. However, that's not to be the seemed not to be the explanation because around the world it is a very fairly good agreement that the um, that the variant is in fact less severe to to individual patients. So less severe. So and so there's a, there's a consequence of that. The first thing is if it's more infectious, you get many more patients. If it's less severe, you may have many more patients overall, but you may have fewer patients who have who are severe, hospitalised and die. And do you think that you, you may have a whole lot of people who just don't report it, who don't test because they just don't know? The, 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 absolutely, that, that's correct. There's, there's, no, there's no question. Certainly in the vaccinated community, uh, it, it is clear that um, there are a significant number of the patients are asymptomatic. So that's become increasingly so as people have looked further. So the next feature was, We've got we've got the variant. We now have its initial impact and maybe less severe. The a, a, a South African physician uh, described the clinical pattern as different from that of all the previous variants, suggesting it had certainly a, a raspy throat, but more muscle pain, more back pain, uh, and and fever. And so, to some extent, that distinguished the clinical picture of these patients she described from others. So it might have a different clinical pattern as well. However, the worry was if it's more infectious, there's going to be lots and lots and lots more patients who may need hospital care. So under that circumstance, what is the outcome? What's, what's happening? Well, more, more infectious, less severe may mean uh, fewer patients per hundred. But under these circumstances, if you have more hundreds of patients, in, in, the, in effect, the same burden will come to the hospitals. And that's to some extent what's been the picture. So more people presenting, more strain on your health system. So just as important. That's to, that, that's what it is to guard against it. Yeah. Now, now the next thing that's happened before we talk about vaccines is the um, the fact that the the the, the, the original Omicron variant BA one it was named at, at that stage um, had had some offshoots. It my it, my my it it it, it, it had. New, new variants appearing, new, new, new patterns of the genes, and they altered to some extent uh, over the course of the infection epidemic at the time. And so suddenly you had BA1, and now you have a successor BA2, and BA2 has sometimes been called the stealth virus, if only because it's a little more difficult to distinguish from BA1 um, by the simpler tests, and sometimes it needs a more complicated test. But in effect, uh, we now have the two, and probably BA2 is a little more infectious than BA1. So we have Omicron out there already with two variants, probably three variants out there, which are showing slightly different patterns. So, but it's a world away from the original ones, world away from Delta, which was more severe. It's, it, it's milder, but it's far more common and infects people very, very rapidly and spreads through countries at a staggering rate. Is this the normal pattern of viruses, Doug, where they start off nasty and 
dilute down, but keep keep on going and going and going. They start off one way and they may go different, which mm. may be in any in any any direction whatsoever. Right. So there's no guarantee that we couldn't have a nastier, deadlier. That's that's that, that's that's correct. Now oh. the next thing that happens is the waves of the new cases seem to occur very quickly and start, now we know seem to disappear very quickly. So the, the, the peak waves of the Omicron virus in different countries tend to be around two to three months, right up to one side, right down the other, and almost back, back to normal at the end of that time, and you can carry on as it was, as it was were before. So that, that is um, a, a concern because in our country, New Zealand, which I'll talk about in a minute, we will have we are having a very slow rise of the of, of the of the infected cases compared to what is the usual pattern around the world, other than Australia. So the, the next thing that was needed to know was well, do the original vaccines that have been developed for the original variants of the virus do they still work against cases variant, the BA one variant, and obviously the BA two? Then it was found that of the people who had two jabs of the original vaccine. They had some protection from the new Omicron uh, uh, virus, but if they had a booster shot, which was being practiced because of breakthrough infections in places like Israel, if they had a booster shot, then that was almost effective as blocking 90 to 95% of, of individuals needing hospitalization or 90 to 95% of people who have severe disease or 90 to 95% of people who may die. So as a consequence, it appears that the present vaccination portfolio, two jabs plus a booster, is very effective against the uh, against the, the infection if you get all of that. Now, the problem there is having persuaded many people all around the world, as, as large as hundreds, hundreds of millions of people to have the, the, the double jab vaccine, on top of that, you've now got another one to have to give to ensure that this present variant, in fact, is adequately controlled when it does become more severe. The majority of people who at the moment who get the more severe cases are in fact the unvaccinated, but it can break through to some extent in the vaccinated population, such as Prince, such as Prince Charles at the moment in the UK, you can be infected again, but usually on a much, much milder basis. So that, 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 that's where we're at now. The New Zealand situation is that uh, it's appeared in New Zealand and it's started to increase in numbers more slowly than in other countries. And the reason for this is probably because we have damped down the underlying infections with public health activities and with vaccination. But whereas in South Africa, the people who have not been vaccinated are more commonly have had previous infection. Almost nobody in New Zealand has had previous infection. So we may be more vulnerable to more cases and possibly more severe cases. That's not clear. The Australian, um, Experience might suggest that might suggest that we're so. So here we are at the, now now waiting for this. It's, it's now climbing, obviously, in terms of the numbers. I don't know what today was, but yesterday was obviously up for the first time over three hundred. So we're now seeing this, and I think we're just waiting to see how how high will be the wave, how how common will be the cases, how severe will they be, and what proportion of people will eventually need to go to hospital. So do you think we're at the very start of that three-month curve? I think so. We, we don't even know if it will be three months. It may be slower because mm. in other countries, you had, a, you had a 
proportion of the population who had had previous infections, obviously, obviously previous asymptomatic infections, and that gave them some immunity as well. So the immunity was increased by the previous experience of individual patients. Here we need to know because we are, we're a more virgin population with very few people sitting around the place who've had previous asymptomatic infections. And the other reason it might, might be slow is that um, we're all laying very low at the moment as well, aren't we? We're all laying very low. People are very, very concerned about it. I think at the moment we, the, the experience offshore is that, in fact, the majority of people are well, well, well looked after. The majority of parents do not get sick. The majority, majority of patients, um, if they do get sick, this is more the vaccinated population who will be okay, although the older population is still extra vulnerable. So this is where we're at at the moment. Now, what are, what are we doing in addition to the vaccination? Well, at the moment, we are commenting on how one should isolate. So at the borders, the um, MIQ facilities are designed to trap and protect us from the bugs coming in from offshore. But with the, with, with the coronavirus, with, 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 with the Omicron, uh, that's not the situation because we already have it in the broader community of, of, of the country. So yeah. here, here are patients in New Zealand catching it. So what's the point in blocking them at, at, at the borders? And that is part of the discussion part of the debate and part of the fury sometimes for people saying, why are we trapped at the borders when in fact I could, we could just as readily catch the infection in New Zealand at the time? So this is again part of the turmoil that's going on, not only in New Zealand, but all around the world as to what is the best pattern to do, the balance between number of, of, of patients who get infected, the disruption to society, the disruption to businesses, the disruption to kids going to school by virtue of quarantine or, or self-isolation. And then when you have a look to see what the recommendation is for self-isolation in New Zealand, in the most recent release from the Ministry of Health, it is draconian. Draconian? It's too tough, do you think? Uh, I'm quoting this from the Ministry of Health guideline. Yeah. They do. A positive case in the community should isolate for 14 days including 72 hours symptom-free. That means you have to test them to show that they're symptom-free with the rapid test, which we'll come back to in a moment. So the close contacts isolation period is 10 days after their last exposure. So if someone comes into a household who, has, who brings the infection in, um, no matter how, how, how modest, that can cause a household to have an additional quarantine period of 10 or 14 days while they stay at home. And suddenly it's not uncommon for individuals in a household or a family to need to quarantine, self-isolate for 24 days. And so this is becoming a major problem because when you think that the infection is that much more infectious um, and therefore you get more tumbling patients, you, you have super spreader events, so small numbers, so one 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 individual case with the infection is likely to infect three or more compared to what the last phase of Delta was in 0.8. So three times that doesn't take doesn't take much when you work through the um, when you work through the, the mathematics to see how it can soon be overwhelmed. So I, businesses, even Parliament, could quickly 
reached the stage when half the half their residents, half the population become infected. You consider families at at, at home. If the two families are in in a, in a single household, almost nobody would be able to escape from that until the the end end of the whole of this aspect of the pandemic. So it's totally unworkable, and I don't know what they're going to do to get around this. But in some ways, in other countries, and this is a part of it certainly in, in the UK, places like Denmark, to some extent Sweden, are saying to hell with it. At this stage, we'll vaccinate as many people as we can and, and keep that going, but we can't lock everybody down and we can't send everybody into self-isolation because we'll have nobody at work and nobody at school. So what do you think, Doug? Do you think we are we should be more Denmark than New Zealand? We should be more of a let-it-go approach? I think we're reaching that stage because the... Um, the feeling in the community is, which is self-evident from, from the news these days, is that people have had enough. Mm. They're absolutely sick of it. People will not, probably many people will not go out and get tested because the consequence of being positive is you have to isolate. You have to isolate. Your family has to isolate. So it really becomes a, you're a penalty for doing the right thing. Mm. And I think mm. we have to reach a situation where we have to... Uh, run with it. That's my, my, my personal feeling. Now, there are some mm. consequences of that, of course, because there are some at-risk at communities. One at-risk community is the elder population who will still remain vulnerable to some extent, even though they've been fully vaccinated. Not as much as before, but certainly uh, still vulnerable to some extent. The, the unvaccinated community, commonly you know, the, the, the Maori to some extent and the Pacific Islanders, there will be a, an older community there who will be exceedingly vulnerable. They have not had uh, uh, relatives or friends with asymptomatic infection before to give them some immunity. And so they are, they are, they are in, in, in fact, um, uh, alert that when the infection comes, they may, have, may suffer far more than might be anticipated, such as the situation to some extent in Australia uh, and as to, is, is the background between a number of the COVID deaths occurring at that time. So this is not an easy decision, but the alternative is impossible. For example, we were talking with a, um, a friend of ours the other day, and she, in fact, manages a number of um, catering facilities across a number of uh, retirement villages. Now, the question is, if someone in one of those retirement villages in their, in their catering kitchens gets infected and or, or gets positive, tests positive, then what happens to all the others? Because it's a tight community. So if they have to isolate, you'll suddenly have the circumstance where the majority of, of people of, of that working group are, 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 are out, of, out of action. They can work all right, but they are, in fact, protecting us or protecting whoever. Um, with their, um, with their with their self isolation, so and at the same time, you can have fully vaccinated people have to self isolate and they'll come in contact with people, uh, and you you, you see um, individuals on the, on the on the radio on the TV talking about how they've had to self isolate because they've had a contact. One of the TV uh, reporters this morning was not on not on duty because she had to self isolate because she was a contact. So I think this is becoming very very difficult, and I think we have to face reality as to what it is, because otherwise we will be in a very, very difficult situation. One household with, with the two families would, would be in terrible strife. What do you think is a reasonable self-isolation period? Well, I think you're going to have to get to the stage where 
the, the ones you self-isolate are only those people, in fact, who have um, modest infection. So you can uh, monitor them uh, because mm. once once you know they've got the infection, definitely, and they and may have shedding, They're shedding virus at that stage, aren't they? So they, they are. are infectious. They are. So they are infectious. And I think one has yeah. to be careful at, careful at that stage. But the other things at home, you can't leave home for any reason while you're waiting for a test result. You can only exercise at home or in, 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 in the garden. You can have minimal sharing of spaces in the household, such as bathrooms, kitchens, sitting rooms. Mm. Shared space, very, very limited. So what happens if you've got 15 people in a, in a house? Mm. Absolutely, mm. absolutely impossible. But and, and all of this doesn't take into account the fact that we're 94, 95, 96% vaccinated. Right. We're also all wearing masks when we're out. And also most, a large proportion of the population are working from home as well. Dave, the other thing we're doing is we are, in fact, um, using rapid tests to um, detect people who become infectious where you or, or monitor them if they're remaining asymptomatic and remaining non-infectious, which may need to be done in certain isolation situations. Mm. But the rapid tests were blocked by the government for almost a year. Mm. I have colleagues that in, in, in different circumstances, one's, one's some in hospital, some is, is in, in importing groups trying to get the rapid tests. And who would mm. say no? The Ministry of Health. So mm. and for, for, for months and months, they, they blocked this while it was happening all around the world. I think it's an absolutely abysmal situation that was to some extent fostered by whoever drove whatever was the storyline Ministry of Health mm. was trying to push. Mm. Yeah, no, it doesn't make much sense. So on your, um, so if you think we've been talking about this for two years or more now, on your worry scale, where are you at? Are you do you feel well, like it's sort of more like the end game of this, or it's a, we're still we're we're still in a very interesting point, aren't we? We've been very very good at uh, keeping everyone safe, but we've probably got to face some reality, I guess. We've got to face some reality. We've got to face the fact that there are more things going on than, than, than just the, uh, the, the patients with, with, with mild to moderate infections or mm. asymptomatic infections, but all the rest of society keeps on going like, like it is. The mm. other consequence, of course, of getting infection, which is what, what boosts the, um, or what pushes the demand for, for vaccination, the other consequence, which we barely, barely talked about, are those individuals who have had one or other of the um, COVID-19 infection variants who've recovered uh, either at home or at hospital, whatever it is, and then find that they have chronic symptoms for some weeks afterwards. Sometimes oh, long weeks, COVID. Long, long COVID. So the mm. multiplicity of chronic symptoms um, afterwards, and this has been the WHO believe at the moment, this is probably one in four cases who have been infected will develop a feature of this long COVID maybe for some weeks or months, but some for even years. So mm. there's a, a number of authorities are now saying we are now facing an extraordinary pandemic of these chronic infections, chronic, chronic lingering diseases with fatigue and issues like this. Some, some of them quite difficult to, to describe, but definitely the individual who knows they're sick knows they're sick. 
So that may be a lingering consequence which go which may go on all around the world affecting millions of people, tens of millions of people. So we need to be cautious about that. I've had um, pneumonia twice and it really did knock me around long term. Is that is that the same sort of thing? You know, the it may well weakness. be the same sort of thing. The yeah. issue with this, the issue with the, with the coronavirus is that it, it does spread not only just to the, just to the lungs, but it, it can spread into areas like the heart. And even early on, when the first of the clinical cases came, investigations showed that even fit athletes would have some um, re- reduction in their physical competence if they became infected because the virus had spread to some extent into their, their into their heart. And, and as they recovered from it, that was all okay, but that was the cause. But it to some extent suggested that getting infected with the coronavirus it's, itself was in fact not just a respiratory disease, but it could be more, more widespread in, in affecting more tissues of the body. Mm. So it's the gift that keeps on going, isn't it, sometimes? It is. The other thing about it is we... At the start of each new variant, we don't know what the outcome will be. We don't know whether the vaccine will work. We don't know how many patients will get there. We don't know how bad it will be. We don't know how robust it is or how how vulnerable. So that that takes time. And so, therefore, there are some open questions all the time uh, from there. Um, Mm. I just want to mention a a, a colleague of mine, Tony Fauci. Yes. He's often seen on the American TV. Yes, yes. Individual who'd become the the spokesman for President Trump's nemesis. President Trump's nemesis. Here's Tony Fauci now becoming someone who's pilloried by some of the right wing extremists in the United States because of of, of his of his views. He, he presents standard the best of the scientific reviews. Now Tony Fauci, who who I I, I my group have worked with his group. Um, He's part of the scientific community in, in, in the United States. He's 81, 82, uh, and he, in fact, was one of the leading figures in the HIV pandemic of the ni- 1980s and 90s, mm. where he fought, fought against the, 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 the people who declared that once you had HIV, you must be gay uh, mm. and therefore should be shunned because that was the population who was really being quite, quite uh, emotive in the United States. So he, he battled that one. He's balancing, battling the situation now. And it's almost a tragedy, having been through one of the world's major pandemics, now to be going through this one here, where he has to try and hold the line on a regular basis. He's looking more and more weary as he gets out there. He has to walk around with armed guards. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that sad? Uh, and he's done so much. Yeah. And he's 81. He's a young man, Doug. <laughs> Well, I, when, when I, my group was involved with them was 40, almost 40 years ago, the beginning of the wow. 1980s, 1990s. Wow. So yeah. He was the leading, leading character there. But it, 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 it is important. So just, just one more, more recent uh, fact that's out there, the, um, the, 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 the Omicron cases in the United States having flared up to quite a rapid peak are now declining in each, almost all states of the United States. So it hasn't been a a long life experience. It's been quite short. And hopefully we'll have the same to be quite quite short as well. But in some extent the UK, but but certainly in in places like like Denmark, if you get infected, you get infected. Do you still believe New Zealand's done a good job? 
We've done a good job from one perspective. The first perspective is that we have kept the first phases of the infection at bay and outside. At the same time, we, it's been very difficult to do a balancing act between damage to society and the uh, protection from, from the individual patients. Mm. Uh, and I think that we'll, we'll always look at that as it is at the moment. You can't go back anyway. We've done what we've done. I mean, that's been uh, heralded around the world because of the smaller mm. number of cases. But let's see what happens going on for going on from now. Australia was in a similar situation. Yeah, yep. No, uh, there's everything to play for once again, Doug. So thank you so much for summarising it so beautifully, and um, I'll talk to you next time. Okay. Thanks, Dave. Brilliant. Thanks, Doug.